Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We have um, a lot of new faces, and so if you are a guest with us, we are so pumped that you decided to join us this morning. We have been going through a sermon series for the last, I can't remember, six weeks, I think. We're doing it basically the whole summer that the students are off, and uh, so we'll have a couple more weeks after today. And um, it's called Roots, and it's basically the doctrines of, of what we believe and why we believe it. And in today's uh, doctrine is one that I'm very excited about because I'm going to be able to share a little bit of my testimony uh, with you guys, and a lot of you have never heard it. And so I'm really excited about that. Before we do, um, you might notice if, if you come here a lot and you hear me a lot, um, I sound a little bit uh, like nasally or whatever, I, at least I think I do. Um, and I am a little bit, I don't know if it's like a cold or if it's just the fact that Bob and Stanford and 18 other teenage boys were in a room with me in Panama City Beach on a beach retreat that I got to preach at this week, and it was awesome. But if you've ever been in a room with 20 teenage boys, right, <laughs> like, it's just bad. I mean, I'm just being honest with you, because they are so nasty. And Bob and Stanford are not. I got to brag on them. But everyone else was disgusting. And I think I caught some of their funk this week, and if y'all saw Facebook, I've, I've had three people already ask me, what was that on your chest? And I'm kind of embarrassed that they showed that anyway on Facebook, but they did build a Sunday on me. They didn't eat it off. That's disgusting. But they did build a Sunday on me, so it was, it was, we had an awesome time, and 14 people stood up and acknowledged Jesus as Savior. That's the most important thing. And so we had an awesome time, but I'm exhausted, and so if I sound uh, nicely, it's because of that, because I took some Benadryl last night, and I feel a lot better. But anyway, we had a, we had a fantastic time. But in the middle of last week, while I was preaching, um, Tuesday night was the big salvation message that I had planned, and everything was based around the kingdom, and um, I like to gather, kind of gather my thoughts, so I'd put my jeans on, and the kids had already gone to, uh, to eat, and um, I was kind of just getting ready by myself, and I was going to go to the cafeteria where, where the whole camp was eating um, in just a minute, and um, I get a phone call from Leah saying that her dad, who's here uh, this morning, by the grace of God, um, had had a heart attack right then. And so at like 6.05, I'm preaching in one hour. Um, she said, hey, I'm just letting you know dad's in the ambulance right now, and we're pretty sure he's having a heart attack. And earlier, their family's been going through a difficult time with her aunt, and um, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, so do I preach or do I get on a flight? Like, you know, I, and there's so many whirlwinds that go on in life. And then the next day, by the way, Leah lost power for over 24 hours, and I'm like, God, if you're trying to tell me to come home, I'm going to come home as quick as I can because I want to sleep in my bed. There's nothing I can do right now. But like I, I thought about a bunch of y'all because I've talked to at least four people from this church in the last week, and um, there's just some major whirlwinds going on in your life. And, and this is what the message that I want to tell you, and this is what I told the students an hour after my father-in-law was getting the stent put in his chest at that moment when I stood up and preached, and 14 people stood up, and it was that night. And it's just kind of mirroring what Jenny said. Um, I told him my heart's kind of in a different place right now, and I'm kind of feeling uneasy, and I'm kind of struggling. Uh, but I really believe God's going to do something big. Because none of this is by chance, and God has a plan for everything that happens. And so I just want to tell y'all, um, this has nothing to do with my message, really. But I just felt led to say it this morning. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. There's a lot of people that are really hurting. And... Um, I want to tell y'all that the reason you're hurting, I can't tell you. Um, I wish I could, but I do know that God does have a plan, and I really mean that. And I, I really mean that in everything, including the worst things you can possibly imagine, that God 
God's glory shines through. And um, this morning, um, I'm, I'm very burdened. I'm very, um, I'm very excited to preach this message, and it's because I do get to share my testimony. But I believe with over 100 adults that are listening to me that um, there's several of you that are struggling with, with this doctrine that we're going to deal with today, and it's eternal security. And, and that means, do we really know for sure that once we're saved, we're always saved? And um, the reason that I'm excited to tell you is because I don't believe that's the issue. The issue is not can we lose our salvation. The issue is, is, is it something that is mine to lose anyway? And if that doesn't make sense, this is what I'll tell you. I believe that every person in this room sits in one of two seats. You are either a Judas or you are a Peter. Because both of us are jacked up. Both of us have fallen. All of us in this room are completely fallen from God. And the thing that we have to decide by the end of the next 20 minutes is, which person am I? Because those two were very similar, and I'm going to compare and contrast them today. Those two were very similar people. But there is no one, and I want you all to hear this. I'm going to repeat this over and over. No one can lose their salvation for any reason. So what about suicide, Mark? No one can lose their salvation for any reason. If you are truly a child of the Most High God, that is a myth. And you do not lose your salvation for, for suicide or for any other reason. Once you are saved, you are saved. And this is what John chapter 10 says um, about that. It's my sheep. This is verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's the key. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So once you follow Jesus, and, and absolutely, he is your king. You follow under his kingdom, under his lordship. You are his. You cannot be snatched away. So the question is not, can we lose our salvation? The question is, do we ever have salvation? Second one. Second verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That seal is like um, when the king took his ring and put it down in something and made it binding. It's a, it, your salvation is a binding document that God seals and no man can take away. And it is, it is really, on our part, quite proud to think that we can do something bad enough to take away what God gives us. We cannot in any way, shape, form, or fashion once God has saved us. But I'm telling y'all, here's the whole deal. I believe what Billy Graham says is true, that 70, 80, 70 to 80% of the church is lost. And my passion, what drives us is to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely, but it starts here. For us to change this world that we live in, in the, t the community of Reville and Greer and and over to Simpsonville and Spartanburg and Greenville and all these other places in Woodruff and all the places surrounding here that we live in, we have to be certain that we're saved before we can help others. And I think that's the biggest issue. So this is where y'all get to interact. How many of y'all, show of hands, know what the NBA is? Let's just start there. I, raise your hand. I know what the NBA is. Some of y'all know what the NBA is and you're not raising your hand. All right. How many of y'all know who the Miami Heat are? LeBron James. Keep your hand up. All right, that's pretty good. I'm pretty impressed with that. I'm going to give y'all a hand for that. That's pretty good. So if y'all uh, have Twitter and stuff and you follow me or Facebook and you see my posts, I was pretty adamant about pulling for the heat in the last several months, and I was really excited. And the reason is because I appreciate greatness, 
and the best players I've always just, I appreciate, I love Jordan. He was so good. And so I've just taken a liking to the heat. And um, I talked junk during the finals. People were putting like, with a couple seconds left in game six, they're talking about, congratulations to Tim Duncan and the Spurs for winning their fifth championship. And I retweeted it and ha, 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 after Ray Allen hit a shot in game six because it wasn't going to happen. And I'm telling you, everything about me for the last several months looked like a heat fan. I mean, I, I talked about it. I high-fived people. Tron and I talked about it at his house. I mean, we, we were excited about it. And everybody that I talked to assumed that I was a Heat fan. But there's one big problem. My heart belongs to another team. <laughs> and this is really when you should laugh because it's embarrassing. Like, I grew up and the Charlotte Hornets started, right? We started the Charlotte Hornets. And then they left me, and it broke my heart because they went to New Orleans, and we got this new team, and it was ridiculous. They called it the Bobcats, and the owner's name was Bob. So I don't understand that in the first place. It's a stupid name, stupid team. But I still kind of like them because it's my team, right? So I get so mad because they're so bad, but that's still my team. My heart is with them. And then this year we found out they're changing back to the Hornets, and it just blossomed something in me. I'm going back to the teal, baby. It's Hornets time, huh? And so as much as I like the heat, when it comes down to it, my heart, my heart is with the Hornets. And when they start back next year and they got the buzz coming back, and you know what I'm talking about, that's awesome, praise the Lord. When that happens, listen, I am a Charlotte Hornet at heart. And when those two play in the playoffs, maybe it never happens, but <laughs> sometime they're going to make it. When those two make the playoffs, I'm going to pull for the Hornets. Why? Because my heart is with them. And so I look, sound, act. I'm with, everybody believes that I'm a, I'm, I'm a Miami Heat fan, but I am not when it comes down to it. I am not. I'm a Hornets fan. And that's exactly what a lot of us look like when it comes to Christianity. See, a lot of us play the game, and man, I'm talking about at church, we can put on the show. We can smile. Yes, praise the Lord, preacher. Y'all know scripture verses by heart? Because I did. As a teenager, I could name at least 100 verses of scripture by heart, and I was lost. And it is not because I didn't have plenty of head knowledge. It's because I had never made him Lord. And so in my life, everyone assumed, Man, he's going to be a preacher someday. He's amazing. And if I had died at 16 years old, there's no doubt in my mind I would have gone to hell. Because I did not make him Lord of all, and my heart was somewhere else. I served this world and everything in it. Basketball was by far my God above everything else. I wanted to play ball and do that thing more than anything else. And there's a man in Scripture that was a lot like me. When you hear that one of the 12 disciples was not saved, it's kind of bothersome because you're like, they had to be. Jesus picked them and they were a disciple. I'm going to show you this morning. I want to give you four things. This is a different message than I normally preach because I'm going to go fast with these four things. But I'm going to show you four reasons that I believe Judas was lost. And then I'm going to compare and contrast him with Peter. And if you don't know who Judas was, Judas Iscariot was one of the 12 disciples. And he was the one that, that betrayed Jesus by, um, by taking the 30 pieces of silver and kissing him on the cheek and showing the people who he was so that they could arrest him. But before that happened, there were several signs that didn't make him lose his salvation, but shows us that he was never saved at all. And he was just like I was. And I want you to see him this morning. So there's four things, and this is roots, uh, four different things of, of kind of like warning signs of how you know you're not saved. And none of us are going to be called some of these. Um, 
but in some of them we can really tell if it's us. So I just want to I want to show you four things. The first one is he was called the son of destruction or the son of perdition. There was only one other time in the Bible that someone was called the son of perdition, and that was the Antichrist. And so let's start here. If you're called the same thing as the Antichrist, that's probably not a good sign for salvation. Would y'all agree with that? Uh, awesome, Antichrist. Good job. Let's go to heaven. All right. So anyway, he was called the son of destruction or perdition. And this is what John 17, 12 said. While I was with him, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction. And your version may say perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And so the first thing that I want you all to understand, because we've had this conversation, um, the guys and I, why did Jesus choose to use a guy that was lost? And it was to fulfill scripture. It was to fulfill the purpose. It was to fulfill the fact that Jesus had to be betrayed and it had to be by this guy. And it doesn't make complete sense, but he was truly a son of destruction that was following him. He was basically, Judas's job was the chief financial officer. He was probably, he could be something like the executive pastor of Jesus' ministry. And so he was closer to Jesus than any of us could ever be because he walked right beside him. And he looked the part and acted the part, and yet Jesus described him in John 17 as the son of destruction or perdition. Number two, he loved money, not Jesus. And I could have said he loved money more than Jesus. And this is where I want a lot of y'all to think. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. Because for me, money was never an issue. Money was never my God. But for some people, it is. And this is what Scripture said in John 12, 6. He said, this, not because he cared about the poor. Judas was, was asking in John chapter 12, why are we giving this stuff away? Why, aren't we, why are you using that fine perfume on his feet? Why aren't you, why aren't you giving it to the poor? And this is, what, this is what Judas was saying. You, you shouldn't spend all that money on this. You should use it for other stuff. Judas didn't care about Jesus or the fact that he was being, he was being poured over. He cared about himself, and he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Let me just translate in our language what that means. He stole from Jesus' ministry all the time. He was in charge of the bag, and he had his hand in the bag, and all the time he took from it. And this was his number one thing. He loved money so much more than he loved Jesus because he was the son of destruction. And at all times, he wanted his hand. He wanted... He wanted to make sure that he got his. I want y'all to know for sure that a child of the Most High, a child of the Most High, will screw up bad. And I'm going to repeat this when we get to Peter. But you do not love money more than you love Jesus. And if the only thing in your life that drives you is the next thing you can get, and for me it was never money, but it was the next accomplishment or getting better, or doing things. If that, by the way, making a lot of money or getting better is not bad. It is when that is the thing that drives you. Last week we preached on kingdom. And in the message that was similar to this, what I kept saying was, it is obvious which kingdom you serve. The kingdom of this world that is included in money, or the kingdom of God, by which kingdom you make famous in your life. So when someone walks up to you and they say, hey, do you follow Jesus? They shouldn't have to ask. They should simply be able to look in your life Look at your calendar, look at your wallet, look at everything else in your life and find out where you store your treasure. Because that is where your heart is and where your heart is, that's where your kingdom is. And for, and for Judas, 
he followed Jesus around. He listened to all the stories. He saw miracles, but he had his hand in the money bag at all times. He was a thief. He loved money more than he loved Jesus. Number three, Jesus knew Judas would betray him and called him the devil. By the way, just a side note, the devil can't be saved. I just I don't know if y'all know this, but just simple stuff. But the devil can't be saved. Jesus answered him, did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is the devil. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And so he called him Satan. And then this is the big one, um, the fourth one. Judas allowed Satan in, meaning in his heart, invited him in his heart at the Last Supper. And then Satan entered Judas, Judas called Iscariot, who was the number, who was one of the number of the twelve, and he went away and conferred with the chief priests and officers how they might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Now, I, um, I just wanted to give you all those this morning kind of as a, I just think it's interesting to look at him. Because you can be this close to Jesus. I don't want you all to miss this, please. You can be this close to Jesus and not know him at all. And you can look like a Miami Heat fan and sound like a Miami Heat fan and high five people that are Heat fans and not be a Heat fan at all because you really like the Hornets. And I just want to show you the difference between Peter and Jesus in just a couple minutes. I'm sorry, Peter and Judas. And, and just show you the major differences and then kind of point some stuff out in my life and we'll be done. Um, Peter and, Peter and um, Judas both had Jesus as their pastor. They followed him. He was their rabbi. So imagine having a small group. And I'm your pastor, but I'm not everybody's small group leader. And so it was much more intimate than what I am with a lot of you. Um, it, was, it was like a group that met all the time, and you got to be close to him. And, like, there were a lot of other people in the group, but you were, like, really close to him. And that was, that was Peter and Judas. They walked with him. They were close to him. They saw miracles. For three years, they, they, they did everything with him. They both screwed up really bad. I mean, as bad as you can screw up. And, by the way, I, I don't think it's a good argument to say, I'm sorry, I don't think it's a good argument to say that uh, Judas screwed up worse than Peter. Peter was like one of the main guys, Peter, James, and John. And when Jesus was about to be hung on the cross, a little girl and two other people asked him, Isn't, aren't you Peter that know Jesus? And he cursed and denied him when he had boldly declared, I never will do that. He was, he was jacked up. He was a man that had issues, and he... With Jesus about to be hung, the guy that you followed for three years, he was this jacked up. I don't know that cat. And then swore and then ran. And he heard the rooster crow three times when he did it. And he wept because he realized what he had done. And so their sin was equal in my opinion. One betrayed Jesus with a kiss, took 30 pieces of silver because he loved money, and sent him to the wolves. The other, when he had a chance to stand beside him, ran cowardly and denied him to people that would not have hurt him and they were equally far from God at that moment but there is one thing that separated them at the moment when it came down to it Peter begged God for forgiveness Peter begged God for forgiveness he begged Jesus I, I cannot believe I did this I'm so convicted and God used him to pastor to be the head of the Christian church on earth, the man that was the number one guy till Paul came around. He was the dude. And he was jacked up. 
See, Jesus doesn't need you to be right when you come here. He just needs your heart to be willing to be conformed to where he wants to conform it. And what did Judas do? Judas got caught and he felt terrible. And he took his money and threw it down and he went out into a field and he hung himself and his guts exploded open. And I know that's gross, but that's what the Bible says happened. And here's the major difference. And listen, I want you to pay special attention to this because I want you to consider, are you Peter or are you Judas? One guy, Peter, screwed up bad. And the Holy Spirit convicted him of his sin and he begged God for forgiveness. And one guy, Judas, followed Satan, led him into his heart. Screwed up equally bad, but then when the time came down to it, he didn't beg God for, give, for forgiveness. He had guilt. Guilt comes from Satan every time. God will never make you guilty. He convicts your sin. If you are guilty and you beat yourself up constantly for what you did, it comes from Satan because he wants you to be miserable. And his guilt led him to hang himself. And I believe with all my heart he's lost today and never had it in the first place because he served money. And he served himself. So sin was not the reason that he was gone. It was the fact that his heart was never there. And so when I was a teenager, um, when I was six, I, I said a prayer. My dad talked to me. I had a great home. Um, I was, we were led right. Um, everything about me looked like I was a Christian kid. I never drank, never smoked, never had sex before I was married. I mean, I, I filled in the blanks of all the things that you would say a Christian kid should do, and I, I, I made 100 on the test. I really, truly led people to the Lord, and I'm not joking about that. I, I witnessed to people and, and shared my faith. And Matthew 7 says, by the way, that not everyone who says to me, this is verse 21, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Some of you will say, well, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I won people to the Lord in your name. And it was the perfect picture of who I was, and I was Judas. I was Judas. I was Judas. I had not lost anything. I had just never found him. And it was not until a mission trip in 1997 in July that I realized what I had done to Jesus and what he had done for me and that I had never made him Lord. I had never truly called on him and said, Lord, you are Lord. And the game of basketball was not my curse. It became my mission field. And through basketball and actually sharing in the gospel with a kid and seeing him get saved that week, I got saved as a result. And it wasn't because of a pastor or a preacher that did it. I laid on the floor in front of over 100 students in Huntington, West Virginia on a mission trip at Marshall University, and I wept. I had tears, a puddle. And the reason is because I had played games my entire life, and I was Judas. Honest to goodness, the world and what I could accomplish was my God. And I tried to do good things to get me there. And I'm telling you something. In salvation, there is freedom that you know that you don't have to do good enough, that God is good enough, that Jesus through me is good enough, and his Holy Spirit lives in me. My body's the temple that houses the Holy Spirit. The Holy of Holies is inside of my life because I trusted him as Savior. And I am jacked up. I am screwed up. I've had many moments since 1997 that I look like Peter, but there is one major difference in my life from someone that is not a Christian, and it is this. It breaks my heart when I screw up, and I do it every day, and I can't stand it. I make myself sick because I know better, and I still do it. But the Lord draws me near, and I beg him for forgiveness. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and cleanse you of unrighteousness. The difference between a lost person and a saved person or between Judas and Peter is that confession of sin and that drawing toward the Lord. You will all screw up. We all like sheep have gone astray is what the word says. And if you think by getting saved, it's easy street and you're not going to mess up anymore, you're sorely mistaken. But friends, I'm going to tell you something. There's one thing that you'll know for sure, and that's that you have a peace. Through the middle of a bad war, on Tuesday night I had a tranquility that I can't even explain, and I knew God was going to do something crazy. I did not expect 14 students to stand up. But I knew God was going to do something because I said, you know what? I can't help anything. I can't do anything. But I got you. I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in the middle of my crap, in the ways that I mess up so bad all the time, my thought life alone should get me fired and send me straight to hell. But Jesus, in all his mercy, gave me grace. And I'm renewed every morning. The reason that I spend time and hammer y'all all the time, by the way, on social media and ask you in here, have you read the word every day? Is not because that justifies us. We are justified through Jesus but it's because I want to be new every morning because his faithfulness is so great. I want his newness in my life every day. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I don't want it to be about me because if it's about me, then I'm no different than a lost person. So the thing that you have to ask yourself this morning and the thing that I want you to know more than anything is you cannot lose your salvation. It is a glorious truth. We believe wholeheartedly that your salvation is secure and bonded. You never need to get saved again. The thing that you must ask yourself is, were you ever? Because that is the question. And I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to know that a pastor's son that knows all this scripture, I didn't want people to know. I knew that the Holy Spirit was, was pressing on my heart. I knew I was supposed to make a decision, but I was embarrassed to let people know. Can I just tell you something that everybody does know? your life is a testimony to the fact of whether or not you know Jesus and it is evident to everyone in this world which kingdom you serve the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man and for me I just had a moment where I said you know what God I don't care anymore I don't care what any of these people think I just want you above everything else I want you above everything else nothing else matters in my life I want you And I laid on the ground, didn't talk to a soul, and just begged God to forgive me. And I believe with every ounce of my soul, he did. And so this morning, as we close, what I want to ask you to do, I just want to ask you to be real, be honest. I was pretty open this morning and told you about me and Judas and Peter, and it was quite a different message than I normally preach. But the truth of Scripture that I want you to know is you can know that you know that you know that you're certain that Jesus is your Lord by trusting him as Savior, by resting in him, by giving yourself over to his lordship. But a lot of you sit here and you wonder week after week, and I'm inviting you to stop wondering by simply saying yes to him. It is not what you do that makes you holy and sacred. It is what he does in you. So stop trying so hard and just give up. That is what surrender means, is just to throw your hands up and say, I surrender. And I'm asking you this morning, will you surrender? If you're Judas in here and you know that you are, will you just surrender? Will you bow your heads with me real quick? Just asking for your honesty. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not our goal to do that. 
It's our goal to reach the hurting and the people far from God. And um, man, I looked the part growing up and I had no peace and I was far from God. And God did a miracle in my life. I think I'm the hardest person that could have possibly been saved because I looked justified. I just wasn't. I wonder this morning if there's anyone in here that would say, just being honest, I'm going to ask you which one are you? Are you Peter or are you Judas? Mark, I'm absolutely sure. I'm jacked up, man. I, I screw up all the time, but I'm absolutely certain. No doubt in my mind that I know Jesus, that he saved me, that I have peace. Man, I'm messed up, but I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Um, if that's you, I want you to almost break your arm out of your socket because you raise it so high because I, I want to be able to see you. So will you raise it high? Raise it right now. I'm, I'm certain, Mark. There's no doubt in my mind. Raise it high. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Awesome. Put your hands down. Hey, for everybody else, several people didn't raise their hand. I just want you to look at my eyes. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you, because um, I can't really see you anyway. I can sort of see eyes, but I can't really see you that well. Um, if you're Judas, look at me right now. You say, Mark, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I see, I see people, and I appreciate you being honest. This is what I'm going to ask you. Are you going to let pride, are you going to let pride keep you from having the peace that God wants to give you? Are you going to always be in turmoil of whether or not you know him for sure? Because the truth of Scripture is you can just stand up, say yes to Jesus, and there will be a peace like you cannot understand. So here's the invitation is, are you a Heat fan? Truly. Or are you a Hornets fan that's just putting on on the side? And if that's you, will you stand up right now and say, Mark, I want Jesus right now. I want to know him. I want to be saved. Right now, I want to be saved. If that's you, don't let pride or anything else hold you back. I just want you to stand up. There's several people that were looking at me. And I want to know if there's anyone bold enough to say, I don't care what my wife thinks what my friends think. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just want Jesus. Will you just stand up right now? Right where you sit, I just want you to stand. Thank you. Who else? I'm looking out at you. I see one person. Will anyone else say, that's me? I need Jesus above everything else. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Honey, if you'll go back, we have a, a lady that I want you to talk to. If you'll just step right out and walk back there. Is there anyone else that would say, this morning, more than I want anything else in this world, I just want you to step out and we have a volunteer that I want you to talk to. We have a couple people now that have gone back. I want to know if there's anybody else. There's nothing that Satan loves more than to make you wonder and deny you the truth of Scripture. He loves the church because I believe he has his hands on the church trying to keep them from doing what's right. And that is to take a step of faith and shed their pride. Last chance this morning. Does anyone else want to say, you know what? I want to do this. I want to get saved. Hey, can everybody look at me real quick? Can we celebrate the fact that two people, two people stood up and said yes to Jesus? Um, there's nothing I like more in this world than seeing life lives change. Um, seeing people stand up and knowing that the Holy Spirit has a hold of their heart because you can just see it in their face. And, um, you, 
could offer me a million bucks and I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. I'd much rather see that than a million dollars. Because um, that million dollars ain't going to be worth anything 80 years from now for me. I'm going to be bones somewhere. But I'll be in heaven celebrating with Jesus and we'll have the best worship service ever. Because we'll have Jesus in his glory and we'll all be there together. I, and So let me just tell you this. We have a couple minutes and before our Nick team, in just a second, I want to bring our Nick team up here, but let me just say this before we do. Um, like I have, I don't know if it's what it is, I don't think I've eaten bad, so I'm pretty sure it's the Lord has just convicted me so much about what this fall is going to be like, and it's going to, it's going to get crazy. It's going to get crazy up in here. I'm asking y'all to start preparing yourselves now. Our sermon series in August is going to be all about our preparation for what God's going to do in our church. And so I'm asking you to prepare yourselves now. It, it is going to, we are going to transform this community because we are going to just be so focused on serving God and following Him. And um, show everyone in your life that you're Peter this week, that, that you are truly sanctified, that you're changed, that you're not a Judas, that even though we are screwed up, and every one of y'all will screw up, and I will screw up worse than any of y'all this week, but I'm so blessed and grateful that Jesus wants to use this jacked up dude. And you can be used. I don't care if you're going to Nicaragua and like 12, 15 of us are, of our people, or, or if you're going to your house, there's a mission field in every single person's backyard. And this is the place it's supposed to start. So I'm asking y'all right now, be committed to the gospel. Um, right now what I want to do is... Um, and I don't know if Jenny's ready or not, but I'm going to call her anyway. She, um, she can come when she gets done talking. Um, if you're going to Nicaragua, I just want to invite everyone up here. This is our first, just stand right on the rug. If y'all will come down right now. And if y'all didn't know this was going to happen, you didn't. So there you go. Um, this is our very first true mission trip. We took a... a Josh and Austin and Davin and I took a trip to Nicaragua in February, and so it was just to kind of prepare and get ready. But this is our first, um, this is our first trip as a group, and I'm really excited about these guys that are going. I believe it's going to be an awesome week, and I want y'all to know for the duration of our church, Lord willing, it, it outlasts all of us here. Um, this will be a key to us. It starts in Jerusalem which is our community, but we'll go around the world. And so um, I want um, all of y'all, it, it's going to be crowded, but if you're claustrophobic, just put your hands over your face. I want to invite all of y'all to come, and we're just going to pray over them as a church. We're going to dismiss this way. So I, from the back and everybody, I just want y'all to come. You can hold hands, put your hands, stretch them out, whatever y'all want to do. And we're just going to ask God to bless this group in travels and that he does an amazing thing this week. If you don't want to come all the way down here, you don't have to. You can stay kind of where you are, but just touch the hand of someone close to you, and we're just going to pray that God does a great work this week through our mission team. So. I do want to say before I pray how grateful I am that all of you came and um, believe that... Um, the best is we haven't even scratched the surface. God's going to do some awesome stuff So, in our church. So will y'all pray with me? And I just invite everyone to pray before I start that um, 
for individuals, call them by name, um, that God will use them. I'm going to tell you something while y'all are praying. God has blessed me every time I've gone on a mission trip. Been to Nicaragua six times now, and every time I've gone, I feel more blessed than the people that we bless. And so I'm asking y'all to pray that God will do something in their lives individually, and then the way that we can minister to the people um, that are there that don't have much at all. It's pitiful. Um, we can make a difference, and I'm just asking y'all to pray with me right now. such a blessing um, to have people that answer your call because the last thing you said before you rose and ascended into heaven was go and preach go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit and you said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth and today Lord we go to those places and to the to the far places that are difficult. Lord, it's hot. Um, they have next to nothing in the places we're going to minister to. And I, I just pray for blessings on this group. For each individual, I pray that you'll do a move in their heart. And most importantly, God, through what we're doing, through working on a house, building houses, through witnessing, through Bible clubs, through everything that's going to be taking place, we just pray that you receive glory and that you, your work is done and that miracles happen and they come home and they cannot contain themselves because of what they saw that you did that could not be us. And God, for the work that we have to do here this week, we just commit ourselves to you because we want to make a difference for you, whether it's here or in Nicaragua this week. We want your glory to be shown and we want to be that it's evident that we're a child of the King. So God, we commit ourselves to you. We are so grateful that you choose to use us in spite of us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all have a great week. We love you.